0: It's mike morris here welcome to tonight's episode of community corner with mike morris critical to any community's well-being and vibrancy is the extent to which we support arts and culture because the arts deeply enrich our lives and our community's well-being beyond any economic measure arts and culture improve our mental health they offer an opportunity for deeper education and understanding and they're an outlet for expression and activism that wouldn't exist otherwise. Over the last few months, I've spoken with dozens of artists and creatives to hear their thoughts on how we could better support a thriving arts community in Waterloo Region. On tonight's episode, I'm sharing a conversation I had with Aaron Francis. Aaron is a Kitchener-based artist, curator, and community leader who joined me for a chat about his work, our local arts community, and what we can all do to move towards one that is anti-racist, thriving, and equitable. It was a particularly fun one. You'll see within the first 90 seconds or so, he quickly turns the interview table on me to ask questions of his own, and uh, he kept me on my toes throughout. This conversation was a follow-up to a guest post that Aaron wrote on my blog. Uh, You can check it out at mikemorris.ca slash blog anytime. I'm always happy to receive any feedback you might have about tonight's show or potential ideas for future topics. Feel free to reach out through my website or any of my social accounts at Morris, M-O-R-R-I-C-E, Mike. Hope you enjoy our conversation tonight. Uh, Thanks again for tuning in.
1: feel like i've stepped into a time machine and i'm now using facebook with Mike,
0: <laughs> and it's working which is working. for me like my heart drops every time right at the beginning and uh we my internet actually died about 10 minutes ago so no i'm gonna blame it on the high winds this afternoon just
1: uh blame it on my technical uh, ineptitude so
0: Well, thanks for those of you joining us. Uh, Apologies, we're getting started a few minutes late tonight. Uh, I'm so glad to be here tonight with Aaron Francis. Uh, Aaron Aaron is an artist, a curator, a community organizer, uh, someone I just deeply admire. And uh, so welcome, Aaron.
1: Thank you. Thank you for that introduction. I I admire you too. I I like what you stand for and I like your politics. I'm, I'm kind of curious, what, is, what does art mean to your politics? Because this, is, this will be our third conversation on arts in probably less than two weeks. And I, I can see that it fits prominently within your politics. Why is that?
0: I like this. You're the first person to shift it real fast into, into interviewing me. Yeah, I just believe that arts are transformational. The stories we tell... You know, as someone, I spent 10 years leading a nonprofit focused on telling the numbers around action on climate change. And part of my experience there and in my life has been knowing that it's stories that connect with people yeah. and knowing that arts and culture are the soul of our society. And so, whether it's um, in our democracy or as a community member, I think it's just so important that we, yeah, support a thriving arts and cultural community.
1: Well said, well said. I couldn't agree more.
0: Well, as we get started, I want to be sure we start by acknowledging uh, that uh, the land that we're spe- speaking from. Um, Aaron and I are, are both uh, situated uh, on the Haldeman Tract, uh, the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Haudenosaunee and neutral peoples. That's 950,000 acres of land that was given to the Six Nations in 1784, 10 kilometers on each side of the Grand River. I'm speaking with you more specifically from Kitchener, uh, which is on a portion of the Haldeman tract known as Block 2, which was intended to be leased to settlers and instead was sold as land with full title. So I think it's worth repeating across all of the Haldeman Tract, there were actually very few outright sales of land, and 90% of the leased land has never been paid for or paid to Six Nations. For folks that are joining us tonight, if you're with us from another location, encouraging you here to research the history of the land that you live and work on, I can say for my part. My interest in acknowledging this history is in reminding us that the injustice of this past plays a role in the conversation that Aaron and I are about to have. For sure. Uh, so, right, like the for example, the racism that Aaron that you mentioned in your blog post, and that we're going to speak about more tonight, mm-hmm. is part of the wider systemic racism present in our society today, mm-hmm. be it anti-black or anti-indigenous. Yes and that's rooted in our colonial past
1: absolutely and and i if i recall the blog post i said something like whether it's on purpose or inadvertently there are structural gatekeepers that homogenize canadian culture to look a certain way so you think of a canadian hockey player this this man has to look a certain way or uh, canadiana just even the concept you know for some people or at least when i was a kid you think of canadiana that would invoke um the rcmp um you know and and maybe uh farley I and mean, farley Mowat is awesome but just all, all i'm saying is that uh in that post and and i guess in my artistic practice um that it's that it's a great idea to re-envision what what defines canadiana you can do so like it's on a daily basis, but do so conscious of the structural inequities.
0: Yeah. Right. Mm. And those structural inequities have a historical root to all of them. And and also we can then also hope to live out I hope this conversation, for example, is part of actually working towards genuine truth and reconciliation. As all of our con- I mean, yeah. conversations I mean, can it's- be.
1: It's, uh, what do they call it? It's, it's multifaceted and I like to, I'd like to, you know, I count you as what I'd like to describe as an ally. And like us uh, from the onset, I said, I like your politics and, and, but it just, you know, um, you remind me of the things that I love about Canada and Kitchener-Waterloo, you know, cause I grew up here and I know that that not everyone here is racist. Right. And I know that, I know, I know, I know you in your heart, I believe so. And I don't know, what were you talking about? Well, well,
0: thanks for that. And also the learning for me, um, the practice I feel like I'm in the midst of Mm -hmm. is shifting from being not racist, as you just finished saying to actively anti-racist.
1: Yes. And so then on that point, the the multifaceted aspect, yeah. it demands um, further further yeah. steps to be taken. And so it's it's whether it be from someone in a position of of administrative or municipal power, or elected officials, or a university officials, or someone in media, for example, yeah. to actively combat the structural inequities in this.
0: Which is probably why I'm glad to have a chance to chat with you tonight. Uh, So let me share a bit, a brief bio at least, for folks who are joining us who uh, might not already know some of Aaron's background. Uh, So Aaron's a doctoral student at the University of Waterloo, a multidisciplinary artist and a curator. Uh, Specifically, he's exhibited works with Vintage Black Canada, which we'll, we'll be talking about. Uh, at Band Gallery Toronto at the Gladstone Hotel, the Contact Photography Festival, and more locally at at the Centre for International Governance Innovation. Aaron's also the former chair of the City of Kitchener's uh, Arts and Culture Advisory Committee. And more recently, uh, back in June, uh, Aaron co-organized, along with Carla, Salem, and a number of others, and helped to marshal the KW Solidarity March for Black Lives. Uh, which, you know, estimated 30,000 folks. I've never seen more people in one place in this community before in my life. Um, and so, yeah, again, uh, honor to have you with me tonight. Thanks for, for joining. For some folks who might not have already seen, we'll, we'll put in the, in the chat. I'd recently asked Aaron to, if he'd write a guest post sharing some of his reflections on Kitchener's Arts com- community. He was game to do it, and so last week I shared that post uh, last Thursday night. And so if you haven't already seen that, uh, you can feel free to give that a read. Let's start, Aaron, with kind of what motivates you. I, I love hearing some of that as a starting point. So whether it's,
1: mm-hmm, you know, all mm-hmm. these
0: things are manifestations of, of, of what drives you, right? Whether it's Vintage Black Canada, the Solidarity March. Sure. Yeah, what?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a fair question. I think right away I can say like my family, and my community, uh, my grandfather was someone that inspired me. Obviously, obviously, my mom, she instilled in me the work ethic. But also like my community, like I've alluded to, um, you know, in the record article, that sort of thing. Like growing up and seeing Juno award winners and gold medalists. And there's numerous, like right after Lennox won in 89, yeah. Chris Johnson won the Commonwealth for, and then there's also the Vanderpool family. Um, there's a, so many championship boxing belts in Kitchener and Waterloo and I watched them all unfold, Denton Daily and the list goes on and then and then musically just being inspired, because um, at the same time my uncle was winning in 89 uh, I don't know if the article mentions this, but Messenger was winning at the same time and that's a reggae band for Kitchener Yeah, and you know, the daughter's message. I went on to win Juno in like '97 with Too Rude, and and Master T's influence on Canadian media. So just like growing up seeing this community, and there's a certain competitiveness to Jamaican to Jamaican culture—not a certain, an absolute competitiveness—and <laughs> so, so um, you know, these things drive you. Um, I'm also just inspired by like the everyday. Maybe like it might be something like you know, like Broad City, like watching that show and just being like, yeah. this is hilarious. I got to write something like this, you know? So it, the, the experience, the, the inspirations come from all over. I also like, one, like to add travel. Yeah. Travel is probably my greatest learning experience. Yeah. Well,
0: and I it was reading the article that Terry Pender wrote over the weekend that set me down a bit of a rabbit hole. Um, you know, I'd known Lennox Lewis from the gold medal um, but even just for myself, reading that article sent me down learning more of his the indelible mark he left, um, and and of course you know being a Kitchener, um, and so yeah, I really appreciate you helping share some of those stories and bring those back into our consciousness. You know, particularly coming off Black History Month and a time of celebrating Black excellence in mm-hmm. Waterloo Region, and you know, looking back and hearing how that shaped you. Uh, yeah, that was that was just powerful for me to learn, uh, reading in Terry's article at least.
1: Excellent. Um, I'm glad. Shout out to Terry.
0: Uh, so we'll, anyway, we'll, we'll put the article in the chat. Um, from that, I also learned that you're looking to do an exhibit this spring, looking for a book pu- publisher for Vintage Black Canada now as well. Which makes me kind of think about kind of the larger impact you're hoping to have, mm-hmm. starting with what started on Instagram is that my understanding uh, yep. and what's kind of grown since. So do you want to talk a bit about kind of where you see vintage black Canada going and what you're hoping to um, influence with it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in, in my defense, I haven't read the article, so I don't want to sound redundant, but um, I did mention Terry that I want to get the book published uh, that I had made a couple of, you know, um, I had made some outreach to some publishers and then upon not hearing their response, I affirmed to start my own publishing company. So I don't know if that came across in the, and this, and as well as that sounds, but I'm also like, again, I'm from Kitchener, this is what we do. And, and, and uh, there's, there's a good number of of great publishers locally. And so I'm going to figure this out and how to do the book properly in terms of like meeting all of my sort of yeah. aesthetic qualities, yeah. um, but but beyond that, like blue sky, between you and me, I need to somehow distill vintage black Canada into uh, an artificial intelligence. So that might take me like the next fifteen Ooh. years, but but you know that like when when it comes to deep learning and and the the knowledge that that goes into creating a, sort of a, an intelligence that can operate on its own. Um, but someone has to uh, initially program those heuristics and that comes with like culture and that comes with with priorities. And I want to design an AI that prioritizes um, my, my learning experiences hmm. and sort of my cultural influences. And this is like, that's like blue sky, like as far as it can go. Uh, because I I see I see Vintage Black Canada like I brought it into this this cultural epoch. There was it was film. It was transparency for slides. It was Polaroids. But you know a few more years. It's like it's like if you had an eight track. If you had the best song in the world on eight track, um, it really doesn't matter anymore because there's no way for anyone to 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 ingest it. And then when I think about uh, doing that with Vintage Black Canada. Um, Bringing it to something that's digestible and immediately accessible, I wanted to make it even more so. I want to prepare the archive because it goes beyond yeah. just images. It's it's like a community knowledge. Yeah. Um, the, there's the interviews, there's the the associated music, and and all of that culture. And then how does how does all of that go on to the next uh, cultural or social technical epoch? And I think it has to, I have to somehow figure out how to push that over into artificial intelligence. But before that... Well, I want to that. hear
0: more about that. I want to also share... I was speaking with an Indigenous leader in our community last week, and he was sharing similar around challenges in finding a publisher for his story. And so I wonder if that's a bit of a gap around... Uh, publishing in our community or if it's just the right connections for folks. But I do want to hear more. I see Sam Mm -hmm. in the comments asking about traveling. So we're going to, there there will be time. I've only got a few questions here to kind of start us off. Okay. So the second part of this conversation will be questions from folks that are here. Um, I think also, Sam, you misunderstood the Farley Mowat reference from uh, Aaron. Uh, (laughs) I think it was a positive comment. I think. (laughs)
1: Heck yes.
0: Heck yes. But yeah, uh, totally see you there, Sam. So we'll come back to traveling. I want to understand just a little bit more on AI. So are you meaning, Aaron, that you would be a bit more removed from the photos that are posted? So that would allow you to like moderate from a distance a bit more? Is that what you're meaning or how AI would?
1: Maybe I shouldn't have brought it up, but maybe it's me wanting to speak in the universe. I just know that that the way that people consume media will change 10 years from now, just like Instagram didn't exist 10 years ago. And I think in part that may, may involve, um, actually inter interacting with, think of like, think of like, uh, and I don't have any of these services personally, but think of like a Amazon Alexa that hmm. it's, it's tuned into it's, it's programmed based on, on a bunch of cultural, um, experiences and, and tuned into the user. Um, but ultimately it's a way for you to consume information. All I'm saying is that I want to participate in that next um that next yeah. epoch. That's the only way I know how to describe it right on. Um, it but um but in the more immediate uh plans uh more exhibits yeah. of course, so I have the upcoming exhibit with uwag uh that will' announce like the details shortly and it's it's a bit of a like a micro exhibit and something um to to hold us both over. Uh, Ivan is just an amazing fellow and he reached out like months mm. ago, but COVID has just ruined everything, obviously, yeah. for everyone. Yeah. Um, and so we just had to delay some stuff. Um, I had, I had, um, I was, I was scheduled to do the Communitech gallery, uh, like last fall too, and, and the city of Kitchener, uh, Berlin, Berlin Tower Arts Gallery. I was scheduled to do that. And again, postponed. Uh,
0: Well, but I'm, I'm glad you found ways to still get these stories shared, uh, in a, you know, whether it's through the, the record or Instagram, whatever, whatever the case, I feel like it's really been prominent over the past number of months. And so, yeah, kudos to you for finding the way to kind of sort through it in in the ways that are possible, at least in these times while we're still, yeah, pretty distant for the foreseeable future, physically, at least, Mm -hmm. um, Let's talk. So you mentioned earlier, so we had a conversation yourself and a number of other uh, local artists last week. Thanks again for making time for that. That was awesome. Um, Yeah, it was super fun. We started to get into, and I thought we could kind of now kind of build on that and, and share it more widely moving through some of that part of the conversation. So one of the, one of the first questions we talked about last week was on the positive side, what different folks thought of in terms of strengths or assets, of our local arts community.
1: Curious, yeah.
0: do you want to kind of riff on that or some of your reflections yeah, as a well, well, starting recall,
1: point? If I recall, sorry, um, I think Isabella and I agreed, um, or Isabella, mm-hmm. I beg your pardon, uh, agreed that diversity was one of the hugest, huge strengths for the region. Um, I'm trying to recall what other people said, but even just that diversity alone is such a critical component, and that we possess here, and that we've, we've long possessed here, um, and I think it's, it's what sets Water region apart in many, many ways, and, and, as as much as I will have criticisms, of um, systemic in- inequities, um, I recognize that in Water to region, uh, I do have privilege of visiting mm. so many other places. So many other, um, you know, jurisdictions, or what, what have you, even um, just like places next door, or what have you. Um, and so there's something about Waterloo Region that has always punched above its weight. Now, mm-hmm. if only if we can continue to level the playing field so that everyone in Waterloo Region wow. has the opportunity to punch above their
0: weight. Yeah, and no, that did come through from a number of. Uh, it was interesting because we then, we spoke with the other side, of and we'll do that now too, but I, I was, it was interesting for me. It was a number of the folks on the call who uh, identified it as racialized, who raised some of these reflections of their sense that that's actually a real asset of, you know, the diverse uh, community that is represented in our art, in our arts community. Now, let me also add, so in the post, uh, some of the words that impacted me the most, Um, you you wrote that our arts future is not truly sustainable if it does not actively seek to dismantle systemic racism in arts and create pathways for increased Mm -hmm. Black, Indigenous, and people of color
1: to have a creative output. Yeah. Yeah. So, because the world will keep turning, right? And people will continue to consume art, consume media, create art. But it's, it's going to take a nosedive and it's, and I would argue that it already has taken a bit of a nosedive in terms of, in terms of like, in terms of its artistic credibility, when it's, when it seems like it really just goes out of its way to exclude uh, women and people of color. And when Mm -hmm. I say, it's. And I'm talking about this this machine, this industry. I don't know what you want to call it. And for me, I know one of the conversation pieces we had at that discussion was that for me, I can't really separate the industry from the arts practice any longer, and and that's just because of of just my experiences in that game. And so, and with this industry, um, it's it's not it's nothing new for me to to raise these points where where um female artists or female producers or female media executives or or um artists of color are are excluded at great times from gatekeepers and this is where i I brought up i'm like i don't know if it's deliberate i know i know sometimes it's deliberate i don't know if it's always deliberate but you know how many times do i have to hear i you know i used to work in trades we put on the radio right and patio lantern is a great song you know i love kim mitchell but it's like what What about let your back won't slide you know it's it was very skewed and very biased to want to a very particular sound canadian media um even when i was watching you know watching um like the the canadian broadcaster cbc uh you don't often see people that look like myself yeah. and, and, and in positive, positive narratives. And for me, that was a big part of why I needed to do New Pitches Black Canada was to show a parallel and alternate narrative that I knew existed. Well, and maybe on that, uh, someone who's really helped
0: uh, educate me on our hip-hop roots in Waterloo Region is Sam, Sam uh, uh, Nabi. And his ben Tri-City I- Hip-Hop project uh, he actually did a fantastic I'm not sure if you caught this he was on Midtown uh radio they they do their uh 12 to 2 every saturday afternoon and sunday too actually wow. uh you did, they they do their midtown uh mixtape and so sam had one a few weeks back he live tweeted the whole thing sharing some of the history and context around his particular tape which of course uh was a number of hip-hop artists from one of the region over the years majority i hadn't heard of um and has now also mapped it too right so yeah i and i heard that in the conversation as well a number of folks concerned with the kind of gatekeeping being one of the reasons for why those stories haven't historically been told Mm -hmm. and that's not all of us
1: i mean to address that right full disclosure i'm gatekeeping myself when it comes to sam he reached out to me for access to my archives um because i know in certain terms um i've witnessed hip-hop in the city from jump from right. day one from from i i from the like the sound system culture in the early 80s which was essentially a jamaican sound system culture uh at places like the beat and um and these other sort of, oh, like the Highlight Club, these clubs that eventually merged into places that are the clubs that students now attend and where they play other forms of, of black music. I watched that entire thing unfold, and my family was participating in, it in every aspect. And then, and then I'm an archivist, as you know. But yeah, uh, Sam and I had a great conversation, and he has a great heart. His heart is in the right place, and he wanted um he you know he, he gave me an opportunity to share my story and i said "Oh, i have to keep it close to my chest because now i can share that story and right. that wasn't always the case and this is awesome because now we have a multifold of 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 hip-hop archivists of different perspectives because you don't want it all just coming from one person anyways you know so i appreciate everything that sam's doing um i like to always remind people even though i'm a doctoral student at EW and and blah 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 Uh, everything in me comes from hip-hop music right
0: well and and so maybe we can do that i'm not sure if we can find the link to uh to sam's uh map but to me that's part of opening the doors to a wider and and i'll be on the way we heard in the conversation last time was specifically about white gatekeeping in the art community um and i think if we look at um leadership amongst some of the, lar- the larger institutions in Waterloo region mm-hmm. that we've got, yeah, there's, you know, we've got room to, whether it's on boards or on staff, that's again, what other folks were raising that oh, man. we got to make a lot of progress there still. Um,
1: we do. If I could please. share like a uh, small anecdote, I was, I was the first uh artistic board I shared I served on in the city of Kitchener was uh the Empty Space. And that is a diverse uh arts organization, Empty Space. Um it, but it was uh a friend, uh a non black friend that said, Hey Aaron, why don't you join this board? There's an opening. I think you'd have I think you have a keen mind for this. And that was my first entrance. And then um the next one was open ears and i was in yeah. open ears and it was greg O who said hey aaron um why don't you come join this um so this allyship uh kafka it was gordon himself that said hey aaron yeah. you know i think you got an ear or an eye or whatever come 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 on board and when i for me to become the chair of the city culture arts and culture advisory committee it all goes back to sylvia de saying hey aaron um you got good heart why don't you come and join? Why don't you come and volunteer for one of these city committees and see what you can make of it? Um, so there, there, are there's much work to be done, um, but I'm an example of what can happen when, when allyship kicks in.
0: And does that also relate? We talked in terms of the positives in our last conversation about some of the artists run spaces, Globe Studios being an example, previous ones like Open, Ses- Open Sesame that um, are only online now but what's your sense of optimism as artists take more agency Mm -hmm. in cultivating our arts community locally Mm
1: -hmm. is that i've never been more optimistic Hmm. i'm 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 incredibly excited Um, 44 goggles poised to do so much and it is you know the the municipalities they have to move at a snail's pace for 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 their whatever reasons but Forty-four Goggles is, is, you know, it's after years of work and background, you know, Byzantine backroom handshake type stuff that gets us to this point, and it's poised to do so much, and I'm very excited. And they've they've learned from the mistakes of others, and I alluded to that in the blog, but um, but also I believe that the cultural institutions, at um, least really some of them, are are sort of hip to the game, and and I think I also mentioned like like the Conrad Center sort of going into public hands is that's a huge thing. You know, that's very big, big. and I think it'll only continue even something like Vogel sand green, like shout out, um, you know, Hillary yeah. because now you can go and perform at Vogel sand green and that didn't exist before. And so all of these things keep taking place. I think it's, there's this push that Kitchener Waterloo recognized maybe, maybe 15 years ago. That like, that's not enough to just, it's um, not enough to invent the smartphone. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta entertain yeah, people I, too.
0: I really appreciate you saying that, Aaron. Uh, Cause on the outside looking in, you know, not identifying as an artist myself, I look at people like Hillary and Emily at the city. And it seems to me like they're creating new pathways and kind of, those aren't what we might all think of. And we think about people that might work at a municipality Mm-hmm. And to me, when you get people like that in that kind of position, and at the city of Kishra, my sense is there's a good number of those kinds of folks. It allows for you then see, like over years and years, the the long standing. Like Hillary's not been at the city for some time now, and and still there's so many others on that team and that that have continued to, yeah.
1: My sense Kishra. is kind of
0: live out that culture.
1: Yeah, yeah. for sure. And that's, that's our culture. That's, um, you know, our regional culture that they've really just been able, been enabled to, to man, to, you know, to, to make happen, but it's, it's what the people wanted. It's what the people demanded. And it, you know, I love, I love to see it happen.
0: Yeah. Well, so let's talk about some of the actions that we can be taking. This will be my last, there's a couple of questions baked in. So my last questions, I guess, and then we'll flip it over uh, to folks who are here and questions that you all might might have. Uh, and we talked about this last week as well, Aaron. But curious, both we could start with individual, but it kind of then also relates to what what we should be pushing different levels of government to do, whether it's municipal, provincial, or federal governments, to better support a sustained anti-racist, thriving arts community in kitchener so we, oh, had, pretty, pretty we had a few cool ideas that, right. that were so yeah, I, I was maybe if yeah. you have like a top three of some of the ideas that are top of mind for you for things that individuals can be doing but then also things we can be pushing levels of government and recognizing that's never going to be just one right we can't say it's yeah. it's all three levels of government need 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 to be in this together but mm-hmm. yeah curious for you what's top of mind the things that you think we should be pushing for
1: Oh man. Well, so we start like, say the federal level. Yeah. The, the amount of money that's being given out to, uh, I would say, foreign media entities to entertain Canadians, it just doesn't seem to add up, uh, even though that there's some promise of, like, local production and that sort of thing. I think that we could do better, and I think we could do better to scrutinize those dollars. I think that as a whole, if if there's such a thing as brand Canada, then it's it's one of the most valuable brands in the world, and I think mm. um, that consistently squander it uh, from a from a government perspective. Uh, but you can see that there are so many examples of of uh, Canadian superstars that have essentially conquered the hearts and minds of the world. Um, but it really sometimes doesn't seem like. Canada has embraced them, um, at least um, from a government perspective, which is just one thing. Uh, provincially, I can think of when it comes to the Ford government, I know that there was an anti-racism unit that was shuttered. I know that there was so many cuts related to things that would affect, um, you know, marginalized groups um, and equity-deserving groups that really, if you're asking what can be done, I would say at a provincial level, it's it's going to be some votes some vote stuff, um, but we don't need to talk politics there. Like municipally, um, we've, we have we've taken a bunch of steps in Kitchener, um, you know, whether it's the, the establishment of the film and media office, like I say, forty three Irving um, the acquisition of these places, and then the administration of them, and making them open to the public. But I, I would love to arrive at a place in our society where anyone that wants to make art should be able to do so and And not only that that they should then therefore have the ability to have to have that art critiqued by someone that knows what they're talking about, so that they can make it better and that's one of the things that I'm working on uh with the city, and it's not official; we can't announce it fully but but essentially, if there are younger people in the city that want to make art um, we're working on a way to allow them to be able to do so yeah and give them access to industry. Uh, leaders and to individuals that have had successes or have rather experiences that can help them professionalize their own individual craft well i think
0: you used jamal jamal murray as an example last time a bit of an analogy i i didn't know this but i think you shared last time that he when he was you know through his training moved to orangeville to practice there at a a better facility in orangeville right and so is that kind of the aspiration that we if we to me that's how we should be doing this right is uh, providing the conditions for the most mm-hmm. talented creatives to decide to stay
1: here well we might have to i don't know if i don't know if staying here i mean yes yeah, or, here, or, stay or at least you, at least or,
0: be cultivated or supported here until they might break out and then
1: yeah this is this is the yeah. point. This is the point that I was trying to use with the Jamal analogy. And I don't remember everything I said, but but it's that he was able to get to a level that was good enough here so that he could go and compete to the next level. Yeah. And so there was so the most important part of that analogy is the was is the local infrastructure, um not the fact that he stays here because he can't he can't stay here if he wants to compete on the global scale. Yeah. He has to leave. Yeah. Right? And so and we have to accept that as Waterluvians, that uh, this isn't this is only the beginning for so many things. Um, but but he calls Kitchener home just like Lennox still comes home, you know, and and both of those fellows and and also other artists and, and a bunch of other folks. There was a uh, they were able to participate in infrastructure here that made them the champions that they are or the you know successful artists. And so, nurturing that in local ecosystem, so that when they inevitably do branch out, that they're they're invariably competing on a peer level.
0: Yeah. Now, a few of the things that came up last time that I want to offer back, if in case you've got more re- reflections, Aaron. One is the intersections, the reality around cost of living, around housing in particular, around policies that would allow whether it's guaranteed livable income or others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you see that as it relates to strengthening our arts community? Uh, I guess particularly as you know there's so much talk now about the affordability of housing and and how you know rather than homes for people, increasing mm-hmm. housing seems to be commodities for investors yeah. and how that impacts our ability to to retain some of the best artists and to nurture them to be focusing on their art as opposed to some something else?
1: Yeah. Man, I'm in a privileged place that I do own my own home. Um, But in order to get to that point, my art had to take a huge backseat. I went 10 years straight without making art and just essentially entering this workforce and entering a sort of zombified state where it's just like, you know, do anything you can do to maintain this and then at what cost is it? um I, <laughs>
0: were well, I think the opportunity happen? cost there is huge right because <laughs> if you had been if you'd been given the conditions to focus on your art for that decade of your life what might have been created from that right yeah
1: yeah and then so you know i don't um so you know there's there, people have to talk like oh hamilton hamilton is becoming a mecca for artists because uh it's cheaper than toronto uh, but the reality is that like all of Southern Ontario is like ridiculously expensive. And I think uh one of the shining spots is Daniel Spectrum. It's downtown Toronto, right along the waterfront, and they have affordable housing tied into um essentially arts professionalism. And if you're uh, an arts an artist for a living, then you can get subsidized housing. Uh that that seemed like a cool idea to me. I, I wish I knew more about it. But I I especially in this city, I know that students are among a vulnerable segment that are um, at times um, find themselves on the outs when it comes to their relationships with like landlords and homeowners. So I think anything we can do to balance those scales for sure, for sure. Um, And I I believe deep down in my heart, and I'm not going to go citing studies, but that if given if everyone in this, if everyone was given a chance to make art for a living. Um, like all things being equal, um, that a great number more people would.
0: Yeah. Well said. Strongly agree. Mm-hmm. Last idea, and then we'll, we'll we'll flip to some of these questions. One of those ideas we, we heard last week, I was curious your input on this idea of a cultural allowance. Because it's the other side of it, right? We're talking oh, now about yeah. what it takes to kind of allow the conditions for artists to thrive. The other side of it is I understood someone mentioned in Brazil there is some idea around government giving residents this mm-hmm. cultural allowance to spend as they'd like on whether it's theater or music or performing arts, whatever, whatever the the case, uh, what's your sense on the idea of a, of a, and you, and then the person who shared it said, you know, rather than giving the funds or maybe in addition to Canadian council, the way mm-hmm. it's typically done, how might we engage Canadians in, yeah, giving them the means mm-hmm, mm-hmm. more equitably to engage in the
1: arts. So if I recall the conversation, it was around this idea of, of folks being, getting like some money that they could use to to enjoy yeah. the arts. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, I think the conversation is deeper. So I try to like look at it from say the, the so yeah. the counter argument would say something well that's what cbc is supposed to be because we're taxed Mm -hmm. and then at free media and the media is supposed to be wide-ranging and also local and all sorts of diversity and it's not only news but it's arts and it's podcasts and it's plays and all this stuff so i don't know if if one is better than the other uh i think I've, I, I love CBC. I loved CBC. It's been a while for me. And, and so maybe, maybe that isn't the solution, this idea of allowance. I also think um, when you really like think about it for better or for worse, and this maybe another yeah. conversation, there's so much content that doesn't cost anything right now. And so uh, maybe it's, maybe it's a matter of, of just figuring out better ways to to engage I don't know. I don't know the answer, Mike. Jeez. I think part of it I
0: I guess uh some of my beliefs in this is that we need a diversity of tactics. And and so often I I feel like others try to you know position it as either it's C B C or it's this other option. Mm -hmm. When well this came up in the last chat too that our budgets are a reflection of our values and so if we were to be honest to say we value the arts yeah well you know maybe as opposed to subsidizing fossil fuels or any number of other things that we, we might feel are less aligned with our values all of a sudden big changes can be made and that reflects locally and municipal budgets as well yeah. um, Different yeah. decisions could be could be made, right? Um, you make
1: you make, a, you make a great point because instead of trying to have this conversation about our sustainability and this like really this like artificial box of limited funds and limited resources, and limited government attention, it's like the the real conversation, or at least the 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 more apt conversation, is like like what is all of our tax money going to, and what would the, what would the people rather that go to as opposed to um, some of these things that you mentioned or even frankly for me the thing that gets me is, is like foreign wars of aggression um, we, we do so much outside of our borders and I would just love to see that those resources directed inward I'd like to see drink drinkable water for uh, Indigenous people in Canada um, you know among many other things that I'd rather see our, our tax dollars get spent on so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that is, that is the real conversation. Like, and, and I know that I believe in my heart that arts will figure prominently um, if we were to, to sort yeah. of reallocate um, those resources and especially coming out of COVID, where so many people have been reminded of the value of arts, sort of coming out of quarantine, where so many people have been reminded of the value of arts and entertainment.
0: Yeah, I yeah, strongly agree. We could even share. I wrote a post on guaranteed livable income back in the fall. Okay. And reference one of the campaigns UBI works is 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 the group. And they did a fantastic job. You know, often people say, you know, guaranteed livable income it's just way too expensive. It's a it's a 200 billion dollar investment. What UBI works did is I said, well, here's 800 billion dollars worth of options that we could consider around shifting existing funds or if you start yeah. looking at financial transaction or inheritance or wealth tax yeah. new revenue up op- this is not a zero sum game yeah if we recognize the economic social well-being benefits of some of these options yeah so i w- i want to shift folks where i want to get to uh, to some of the questions so um the first one um is is from from Sam and he's asking about other cities that you might have visited, Aaron, that you think could offer advice to Waterloo region, to Kitchener and Waterloo. Um, are there other, maybe it's particular policies, cultural things you might have picked up from other places around the world? Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, looking close, at. To
1: home, close to home, like Montreal, they had this thing called uh, Under Pressure and it was mm-hmm. a treaty festival and music festival. And we used to go there in like the two thousands, and there'd be people from all over the world there. And the thing about Montreal, at least at the time, and I'd, I'd reckon still today, is it was it was a less expensive place to live, especially yeah. versus Southern Ontario. So then you have artists that can thrive from there. So not only do you have these like amazing visual artists uh, migrating there, but you know Montreal, you can you know from from the Arcade Fire to um why why is my brain escaping? Well Leonard I mean Le- I can stop right there. Leonard Cohen. I'm so, so I'm
0: a Montrealer, country. so <laughs> Oh
1: are you? Okay.
0: Uh yeah, I grew up on okay, the West man. on the West Island and so you're music to my ears here.
1: Cool. Um uh so so I don't know if that was that's the thing. Governments and sometimes it's just really playing catch-up to the people because it was just like the grassroots arts organizations that were doing their thing yeah. in Montreal yeah. that helped lend to that culture, uh, that exists to this day. Um, and it was, it's really, it's a lot of, of people that aren't, aren't necessarily well off. A lot of people that aren't necessarily, uh, their parents weren't necessarily born in Canada, uh, but they, but they were able to thrive right. in, in those living conditions um if i try to think of a city that's actually gone our way and like mandated some cool stuff uh, i mean so i've been i've been to a bunch of different places but everyone does it differently this is the thing um when i was in london they're right at the national gallery there used to be a canadian embassy like right beside yeah. it the national gallery like downtown london yeah. in london england and they had all these Canadian flags up, and it was like proud moment. I was just like, "Holy smokes, this is awesome!" And it was like I happened to be around Canada Day, and the Governor of Canada had apparently sponsored a bunch of like um, Canadian artists to perform in, in downtown London. So I like bar hops, and I went to all these different cool. I saw like Hoxley Workman in London for the first time, and and my friend DJ Nana, right on. Uh, who's from Waterloo Region. DJ DJ in Toronto, he you know, they flew him over, um, and like Paris, I feel like I like I liked I didn't want to go to Paris, and then when I finally went, and then I was like, I get it, mm. because you just have to be good, or they're just gonna, they're gonna you know throw soft drinks at you, like you just <laughs> have to be good, you know. So again, it's not like a government policy. So Paris, Paris, definitely you can see that the government has gone out of its way. Certainly with this, with the riches and spoils of colonization, but has gone out of its way to ensure that they, the entire city is beautified to no end. The sculptures and, and every turn, there's a masterpiece at every turn and every corner. So that's a very deliberate um, practice, uh, but um, inadvertently or advertently, it created a culture within Paris, Parisian society, wherein like it has to be good or, or it's garbage. And I, and I love that we need that too
0: we always need that yeah well, interesting you bring up both because I feel like those are two different angles right in Montreal where pretty much anything goes I don't know if you have to be good it's just there's a, there's a risk taking that, that at least has been my experience in Montreal that there's just the artistic community is profoundly valued and as a result you know there's just so many spaces where the arcades <laughs> and the fire Fire of, yeah. of the world can thrive, yeah. so interesting. That, and then the Parisian option too, interesting. I've never been myself, but that's also what I've what I've heard. And that, that there's a certain bar. Mm-hmm. um So yeah, cool to hear that that bounce
1: But you know, as we just say it, as uh, I'll say it briefly, uh, the Remix Project in Toronto uh, can 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 arguably be credited with helping to kickstart some of the initial Drake work, Drake projects, right. and Drake. Uh, I mean, it's been said that his mere presence in toronto alone generates um something like 200 to 200 million dollars a year in yeah. entertainment e- equity and value uh from all the associated things that he does and so um that the, the remix project was based on some grants to like parto um uh basically community arts organization um but did but did the people making the grants see that this would turn into um you know a billion stream artists no of course not so but they invested in a community and 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 in some local folks so.
0: right on like well, that's a good place to kind of close because that's also part of what i want others to continue with over these coming months so um i want to share for those of you that are, that are joining us or, or watching this afterwards the recording um This conversation, the one that you've heard Aaron and I reference quite a bit from last week, all part of um, a time where I'm very actively in the midst of putting together some reflections on answers to some of these questions around municipal, provincial and federal actions that it could and should be taken and some of these key intersections that we need to be mindful of. And so if you've got insights to share uh, particularly if you identify as an artist or a creative living in Waterloo Region, or with lived experience in Waterloo Region, you might may have moved since, but can reflect on your time here. Would love to hear your perspective to help inform that. Uh, best way to get a hold of me is you can just email me directly, of course, through the Facebook page. Another way to reach out, but my email address we'll put in the chat box. It's uh, it's just mike at mikemorris.ca. Um, so yeah, please feel free to reach out, particularly over the coming weeks as, uh, and then you look for that then, then to follow, um, and likely a conversation to come from that with a few of the folks that participated in shaping, uh, some of the reflections that will be in that post. We'll, we'll do one of these, uh, for that too. Um, for tonight, Aaron, really appreciate, uh, you making time for this uh i feel like every every time we chat i i learn something more depth or another angle to it and uh yes yeah, so i really appreciate you making time for this. thanks for
1: having me it's always a pleasure really enjoyed talking to you so never has thanks man
0: and thank you thanks again for all of you that uh that joined us tonight uh and hopefully we'll uh, we'll see you again for one of these again soon thank you all take care have a nice day